you know, in terms of my own kind of personal approach to pastoral practice, I have to admit that it's definitely changed and evolved over time. And so there may have been a time in the past where I just tried to invite people to apply Catholic principles to their own particular situation. But now there's an intentional emphasis, at least on my part, to bring God into the picture, to invite God through prayer, uh, to inspire us as to what we're supposed to do, and also just to kind of help us with areas of life that we simply can't handle on our own. Now that said, what I found kind of interesting over the years is how people tend to respond to that particular moment. And so just kind of imagine a situation, right? So, you know, imagine I'm talking to someone in the office and it gets to that point where I invite them to kind of pray into the situation, again, to inspire us or to, or to kind of surrender the situation to the Lord. How people respond to that invitation to prayer and surrender kind of reveals something about where they are in a spiritual journey. And so the question is, you know, do they become discouraged, for example, thinking the Lord will not come through for me in the way that I want him to come through for me? Or do I respond with excitement even, kind of looking forward to how the Lord will intervene in sort of creative and unexpected ways? You know, just to kind of frame the thing on a preliminary basis, I remember once listening to an interview given by Jackie Mulligan, the founder of Reform Wellness, where she was talking about a conversation that she had had with a religious sister. So I'm not sure if it was her spiritual director or whatnot, but anyways, it was a conversation with a nun. So basically what was happening in the context of this particular conversation was that Jackie was kind of describing her interior life to this religious sister, uh, describing what was going on in her external life, if you will, in response to which the sister kind of looked at her and kind of smiled a bit and said, you know, I wonder what Jesus is going to do in response to this situation. But then what's funny, and this is kind of the point of the story, in response to the sister's comment, Jackie sort of said something like this, well, forget Jesus. Like, what are we going to do? What am I going to do? What are you going to do? And so instantly there was this feeling of panic or concern because again, it kind of touched on this thing we talked about at the outset. You know, like when I'm invited to surrender my situation, dare we say my life to the Lord, how do I respond to that? Do I feel excited or in fact, do I feel threatened? Now, obviously, just to kind of close off that particular story, Jackie obviously in retrospect realized her error, right? And so that's why she was telling the story in the context of this podcast, right? And so she kind of realized in retrospect that basically whenever you try to approach a particular issue or solve a particular problem, you always need to bring God into it, right? Otherwise, if you don't, if you feel like, you know, you can go through a thing and look back and say, like, I did it, there's something kind of unchristian and dare we say even kind of ungodly about that particular mindset. But, you know, obviously the reason why I bring up that particular story is to basically suggest that a lot of us struggle with that particular dynamic, right? This particular image of God as being completely distant from our lives. And so right now, perhaps it's a really important question for us to answer. Like, what's my working image of God? And so, for example, perhaps you're in a situation where you truly believe that, yes, God did miraculous things in the context of the Bible, both in the Old Testament and the New. And perhaps you also believe that God will come back to judge the living and the dead, right? To hold us to an account for the things we have done and the things we have failed to do. But perhaps at the same time, you don't really believe that God cares about you right now in the present moment, right? You don't really believe that God cares about your small, everyday, ordinary problems. And so maybe you believe that, yes, the Lord is concerned about really big and important things like the salvation of the world. But again, when it comes to you and your ordinary, simple life, does the Lord really care? And will he, in fact, actually intervene? I think all of us sort of believe on a catechetical level that, you know, God is the Alpha and the Omega, but at the same time, he's the one who counts every hair in our head. Therefore, the question is not so much a matter of faith, but rather, how do we bring together our working image of God and this idealized image of God that we find in the Bible? How do we bring these two images together to discover the real Jesus, if you will, the one living and true God? <laughs>
Well, certainly this issue has multiple layers, so I don't want to sound reductive here, but perhaps I'm going to suggest that one way forward, one really important concrete way forward, is to pray differently. To not just pray, to not just say prayers, but to pray differently. To pray with faith, to pray with trust, and to pray with a deep sense of joyful expectation. So regardless of what I might feel in my heart, regardless of my past woundedness, regardless of my past experiences, I joyfully expect that God will do tremendous things, that he will come through for me and bring about the work of salvation in those areas of my life where I simply cannot save myself. To illustrate the point, I want to share with you now this example that I heard from the life of Peter Herbeck, the founder of Renewal Ministries. And to be fair, I heard this example from a podcast, an episode from this podcast called Way of the Hearts with Jake Kim and Brett Powell. So as a matter of background, in the context of this story, Peter Herbeck was attending St. John Vianney Seminary in St. Paul's in Minnesota. And so he's married now, but at the time he was in the seminary. And he was charged, along with other seminarians, to come up with creative solutions to kind of advance the gospel in the context of campus ministry. And so what he decided to do was kind of go up with these guys to his parents' cabin for a weekend. And so basically, as he tells the story, Peter and the other seminarians, they began this weekend basically how you would expect seminarians to typically approach this particular issue, right? So they went off in private prayer, they had their notebooks, if you will, and they took notes based on inspirations that kind of came in the context of prayerful reflection. And then they came back in the context of group discussion to talk about their inspirations, you know, different thoughts and ideas, which had come to them in the context of prayer. But then Peter went on to say that even though they were faithful in terms of taking that particular approach, it clearly wasn't bearing any fruit. And so the weekend was kind of wearing on and everyone was getting kind of really frustrated. At which point, one of them, Jim, this person that Peter describes as being the simplest of all of them, he decided to kind of say to the group, like, let's, let's just pray, right? You know, we've been doing this thing in terms of doing the things on our own. Let's, let's just pray about the thing and surrender the thing basically to the Lord. And so basically that's what they decided to do. So they started to pray and I guess they started closing their eyes. At which point Peter says he heard a big thump and he opened his eyes and he saw Jim on his knees. And Jim basically said this, you know, God, we're just a bunch of dumb sheep down here bumping into each other. You got to help us. And then apparently there was a pause before he said, come on, God. And so it's kind of funny, but you got to imagine the other seminarians in this moment, right? So they're looking at Jim thinking perhaps he's gone completely nuts. But then the way Peter tells the story is that within 20 minutes or a half an hour, a bomb sort of exploded in that room. And so the Holy Spirit descended upon the group in a really powerful sort of way. And so all of a sudden, after a weekend of basically just nothing, everyone felt inspired. There was this huge influx of creative energy. People were weeping with joy. And then on top of that, Jim felt so filled with the Holy Spirit, he started speaking the prophetic truth to different people in that group. And so basically he went to one guy and speaking in the name of the Lord, he said to him, like, look, you're going to be my shepherd who's going to lead my flock. And that guy eventually became a bishop. Then he went to Peter Herbeck and said, look, you're going to be my mouth who's going to speak my word. And of course, you know, he became Peter Herbeck, founder of Renewal Ministries. And obviously the whole point of the story is that that's the sort of thing that can happen when you explicitly invite the Lord into your situation, into your problems, and into your life. And more to the point, we need to realize, deep in our hearts, that God will only respond in this way when we have the courage and the humility to show to him our great woundedness, that we ourselves are this big open wound and that we desperately need the Lord. And we need to pray to him to fill that space, again, with a deep spirit of faith, a deep spirit of trust, and a deep spirit of joyful expectation. Okay, one final note, not gonna end with this. So obviously when you hear a story like this, it sounds amazing, it sounds incredible, it sounds completely beyond our reach, right? So can I truly have a Pentecostal type of experience in my own life? Well, obviously the answer is yes, but it implies that we're praying for the right things. 
So to kind of cap things off here, I want to give you a, a bit of practical advice here. And so when it comes to petitionary prayer, you know, that form of prayer where we're basically asking God for things, certainly the Lord invites us to pray to him at all times, right? We find that in the gospel. And by extension, of course, the invitation is to ask the Lord for all sorts of things whenever the need arises. So hopefully that goes without saying. But you know, that said, perhaps I might share with you a little thing that I do when it comes to petitionary prayer, right? So every day, for example, let's say you're praying a holy hour. My recommendation to you is to save your petitionary prayers to the end of your holy hour, right? And the advantage of that is that you allow the Lord's space and time to inform you as to what to actually pray for, right? So here's where you need help. Here's where you need healing. Here's where other people need help and healing. And once you have clarity about that, that frames your petitionary prayer, right? And that's a really explicit way to invite the Lord to enter into your broken and messy situation, right? To not just pray to him willy-nilly, but to actually ask the Lord to even inform the way that you pray to him. So hopefully you find that kind of helpful, both in the context of petitionary prayer, but also in the greater context of your relationship with Christ. And may God bless you all.